Hey there, welcome to the Metro Minute, where if you're looking for the best practices in public education in southeastern Michigan, you're in the right place. On this cast, we'll be hanging out with Michael Van Camp, the Bureau's Associate Executive Director, and his special guests, Kathleen Schultz and Chad Hodkinson of Gallagher, a global insurance brokerage and risk management service. Hear ideas from recent industry studies and from personal experience to help maintain employee satisfaction and increase employee retention. From this cast, you're going to have some immediate takeaways that you can put into practice in your schools. Today, I am very pleased to be joined by Kathleen Schultz and Chad Hawkinson from Gallagher and Company. And I'm going to take a moment just to to read their titles because uh, I want to get it right. But Kathleen is a divisional vice president at Gallagher, leading global innovation for organizational well-being. Her focus is on connecting culture, employee behavior, health risk, and outcomes. Chad is an area senior vice president with Gallagher. Chad consults with public sector employers on their benefits programs and people strategy. Welcome, Kathleen and Chad. Thank you. Thank you. So let's begin by just taking a brief moment to frame our conversation for people listening. It is no secret that organizations in every sector are struggling with employee retention and various issues. And I know Gallagher and the two of you in particular have really studied employee retention and what makes people want to stay with employers. In fact, as you know, I saw the two of you speak on a much bigger topic, but this was part of it in January at the Michigan Association of School Administrators uh, Winter Conference. So let's talk about some of those studies maybe some of the data, and just to start off, what's some of the data you see telling us about HR priorities in K-12 education, particularly when it comes to employee retention? Well, Michael, I'll jump in uh, okay with you and, and, and start us off on this uh, response. And I think, as you know, we, we collect a lot of data at Gallagher, and I think some of the most important data that we collect is around, you know, what are the top priorities for HR leaders? So basically, what's keeping everyone up at night? We are just about to release, uh, and I didn't have this in January, but we're just about to release our 2022 national strategy and benchmarking our survey results, which includes responses from more than 4,000 employers. Um, and when we, when we focus in on that K-12 space, uh, although absolutely this is the issue in every industry that we track, talent, talent remains the hot button, the hot issue for every industry that we're monitoring and measuring. And specifically in K-12, it's retention. It's holding on to the employees that you already have. That is the number one priority. And that's followed by being able to attract new talent. And this was a little bit surprising. Kind of there was a tie for third place between building a strong culture and employee health and well-being. And we haven't seen it before. It's the first time that we've seen employee health and well-being take the top three priority list for K-12. And I think it's awesome. I think it's a really positive acknowledgement of how important well-being is to overall organizational success. Um, and there's one, one last data point that I'll share specific to K-12. It's around strategy. So we measure organizational strategy um, around scope for well-being. And, and some of the response options that responders have are we don't have any strategy or programming in place. We don't have a strategy, but we do some stuff. We have a strategy, but it's focused on more traditional health options, things like shots, maybe biometric screening, tobacco cessation, 
or the final answer option is they have a comprehensive strategy that's focused on a whole person health, includes physical, emotional, financial, and career. And uh, in K-12, the majority of the responders, 46%, stated that their, tra- their strategy is traditional nature. Only 16% said that their strategy was comprehensive and whole person focused. And just to give a little perspective to how that relates to the overarching kind of all industry data, 30% have a traditional strategy. That's 46% in K-12. And 25% of our all industry uh, have a whole person versus only 16% in K-12. So you talk about building a comprehensive strategy. And, and uh, I mean, I can just picture a lot of the districts even I've been involved with that sometimes we are a little slow to change. Uh, and you use the word well-being a lot, which to me is a very subjective word. So anything you can do to maybe create a little meaning, what do you mean when you talk about a whole person organizational well-being approach? Yeah, Mike, I can speak to that one, and it's a really good question. Um, I love hearing the data that Kathleen shares because it really does kind of set a a good backdrop for the conversation. But these concepts of organizational well-being and individual well-being, critical topics in this overall conversation around talent attraction and retention, and I'd actually add two other terms or concepts to it. Because foundationally, the conversation goes back to organizational culture, and it culminates in employee experience. So I want to talk about those four terms real quickly. So when we talk about organizational culture, what we know is leaders, the way that they behave and the behaviors that they condone within the organization, that really sets the culture for the organization that's going to drive the behaviors within the organization. Those behaviors are going to then determine what level of risk exists within the organization. And that level of risk is going to then determine what sort of outcomes are achieved by that organization. And so when we talk about an organization that is setting a positive and affirming culture, that then the workforce understands and embraces and reflects in their behaviors that therefore result in lower organizational risks and drives positive organizational outcomes. We would refer to that as an organization that has a high degree of organizational well-being. And when employees individually understand the mission and vision of the organization they're working for, and they see the connection between their role and the contribution that they're making with fulfilling the organization that they work for, that mission and that vision, and they feel seen and appreciated by their employer, now we're talking about career well-being for that individual. And so now we're starting to get into that individual well-being discussion. And individual well-being isn't all about career well-being. That's one of four key aspects. Career being one, physical, our physical well-being being another, uh, financial well-being, how are we doing from a financial perspective, and then finally emotional well-being. And all of that taken together is how we define individual well-being. And what we see is, again, going back to this concept of culture, if culturally organizations are investing in the whole well-being of their employees, the overall person, not just their physical health, not just their career health, not just financial or emotional, but all four together, then what we see is then that drives 
a positive employee experience. Again, not in totality, but in part. This idea of culture, this idea of organizational well-being, individual well-being results then in what employees experience as a positive workforce experience. And so what we would say is ping pong tables, free lunches, on-site dry cleaning, that's not going to be enough to drive a positive employee experience. They need to they need to feel seen and heard and a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, and it relates to those four topics. So hopefully that helps build it out a little bit. No, that's good. I like that a lot. And I think you were real good at explaining it very clearly that now it's more than just about what we do from nine to five in the office. We got to pay attention to more than that. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, We've talked about the need to support organizational well-being, and if you're listening, this might be the time to maybe get out a notepad or those sticky notes, Uh, but what are some of the strategies that you see employers implementing to retain talent as they focus on organizational well-being? Yeah, I'm I'm like, um, I'll jump back in here, and uh, there's a lot to talk about here, Um, but Ted, I I love the way that you framed up organizational well-being. I, I think what we know is, you know, we're aspiring to achieve organizational well-being, but you can't get there unless you have employees who are well and committed and engaged within your organization. So how do you get there? Like, what do you do? Um, The good news is we know that almost 80% of employers, they are rating factors beyond compensation that's having a positive impact on being able to attract and retain their talent. I think that's good news. Um, they're really starting to dive in and either create for the first time or refresh their employee value proposition. This connects to some of the stuff that Chad is talking about. The employee value proposition, that's the contract uh, between the employee and the employer. It's kind of the deal. What are you going to get? What are you going to give? And historically, it's been fairly transactional. Um, again, kind of the, the deal, the, the get and the give. But the new employee value proposition, is, is it's different. It's, it's more like of an inspirational promise or pledge, and it's helping to connect employees to the organization's mission. And this becomes really important because we know that 50 per, 58, actually 58% of employees, they will consider leaving the organization if they do not feel connected to the mission. And that 58% goes up to 65% for employees that are between the ages of 25 and 30. So we're also seeing just a lot of work in rethinking recognition strategies. And Mike and Ted, you, you both know this about me. Um, I think that recognition is absolutely one of the most under-optimized superpowers that we have, that employers have. Recognition provides protective factors to retention. And, you know, we know gratitude relieves stress. That's good for our well-being. Employees who feel recognized, they're more loyal, they're more productive, they're more resilient. You know, enhancing resiliency lowers the potential for burnout, which is plaguing so many organizations everywhere. Burnout erodes employee engagement, and employee engagement and well-being, they influence each other. So if we raise employee engagement, we can raise well-being. We know that the key to recognition is to make sure that when it's delivered, it's really worthy. Like, it's really a worthy act that is demonstrating to the organization how that action helps the organization be successful with their mission. 
uh, the recognition, it has to be delivered sincerely, like in genuinely. And the more specific that it can be, the better. The more specific the recognition to help the person who's receiving the recognition understand how what they did is, again, helping the organization execute on its overall mission. It matters to being able to uh, achieve business outcomes. And then finally, and, and this is one that, you know, it gets a little bit tricky, that the recognition is delivered in a way that's valued by the person who is receiving it. So, for example, you know, a person who really hates the spotlight, they might not welcome being called up in front of the whole school, like, even when it's something really special. Like, it, so you kind of got to know your people and make sure you deliver the recognition in a way that's going to, you know, be impactful for the person. And, you know, finally, the recognition is, you know, when we know that employees don't feel appropriately recognized, they're four times more likely to leave their employer. So much to talk about around training, particularly leader training. You know, it's I don't think it's ever been easy to be a manager or a leader, but it, it has gotten a lot harder over the last 30 months. And the competencies and the skills for managers and leaders, they're evolving. And there's an increase um, on leading with positive emotions and behaviors, like things like leading with empathy and with gratitude and with compassion and with realistic optimism. There's also a need to help leaders understand the power of their influence. So their behavior is contagious to everyone around them, how they were communicating, how they are reacting to different things that happen in the workplace. It is influencing the performance and the engagement of everyone in their work group. And I think so many leaders are just really unaware of how significantly they're influencing everyone around them. Flexibility, you know, for a little over two years, a lot of folks um, have spent time thinking about what's really important to them. So employees, you know, they're a lot less willing to compromise on the things that are really important to them. And having some control over how they work is increasingly important for a lot of people, and it's a strong contributor to where they're going to stay, where they're going to go. And for any industry where remote work isn't an option, like education, obviously, healthcare, manufacturing, you know, are there opportunities to look at, at the work and to really understand are there some areas of the work where there are opportunities for autonomy to be able to fill that need that is increasingly important to employees? And I think the last one, and, and all these kind of lead into this last one, it's about listening. So employee needs and expectations over the last 24 to 30 months, they're, they're different. Like the needs and, and expectations of employees, they look very different now than they did before the pandemic. So we can't keep doing the same stuff um, and expect it to be relevant and resonate with employees or even aligned with your business objectives. The only way that we can really build a strategy that's going to reflect what's most important to your employees is to ask them and have a structured process in place for listening whether it's engagement surveys or benefit preference surveys, child mental some of the same abuse, focus groups, culture days, whatever it is, it's really important to hear their voice and to pull them into creating the solutions. Oh, that's good stuff. And uh, I was trying to take some notes and thinking, I think I might have uh, my PD plan for my leadership group if I followed <laughs> some of what you just said. So that was that was excellent. So I guess leading into that, just as we kind of close out, overall, what advice do you have uh, when it comes for employers attracting, retaining, engaging their talent? I know you've given some ideas, some strategies, um, 
that we need to change, right? We can't keep doing it the same old way. Um, so what are some of those takeaways? You want to start there, Jeff? So, I will. I'll just jump in real quickly because we've talked about a lot of data. We've talked about a lot of strategies and concepts. And I think what ties it all together is effectively communicating around these things to the workforce. You know, Kathleen just wrapped up with talking about this idea of listening. And once we hear from our our employees, how do we communicate in a way that is clear, that is concise, that's compelling, and that's consistent so that we're building a clear understanding across the workforce about what is our mission and vision? What are the cultural imperatives for those who work here? What are we about at this school district? Um, do employees know what the mission and vision and cultural and cultural imperatives are? Can they state them from memory? Do they know how their role and contributions fit into the overall district's mission and vision? Um, is the district demonstrating a care for their workforce at a core and cultural level? And are they is the district demonstrating that care in ways that the employees truly see and feel and appreciate? To go back to Kathleen's strategy around listening, like, are you delivering things in a way that you're, that's meaningful to your workforce? I think that's a, a really critical question. And how are you doing it, communicating it clearly, concisely, in a compelling way, consistently? So focus on those communications. That would be a huge encouragement. Yeah, I would agree with that, Todd. You know, and I think, you know, if we think about, some t you know, where do you start? Like, you can't boil the ocean, right? There's so much to do. Um, so are there a few things that are actionable? And I would start uh, in the same place, really thinking about your leaders and communication. We know almost 90% of organizations, they are relying on their leaders to be the kind of the, the delivery mechanism for their really important corporate messages. So how the leader is communicating, how the leader is behaving, is impacting how the employees are interpreting the messages. Um, the downside to that is that only about a third of those leaders receive training on how do, how do you tell the story? Like how do you effectively actually deliver these really important organizational messages? So I would start in the same place and maybe just final thought for me is, is to just be aware like of how all of the parts of your organization connect. Um, the culture is going to influence the employee behavior. Employee behavior is going to influence organizational risk. Organizational risk is going to influence the outcomes for your organization, for your staff, and for your students. Everything connects. So as I'm finishing my note taking, I feel like I should get some college credit, um, like some graduate <laughs> level college credit today. Um, but thank you so much. I mean, like, like I said, I've had the opportunity to watch both of you present. I know the great work that you do. Uh, I know what you bring as you help your organizations. And I just want to thank both of you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. For folks that have tuned in, uh, thanks for tuning in and learning about this important topic and how we can make a difference by focusing on organizational well-being. 
you know, pay attention to your employees and listening and communicating. And um, we can make a difference by being intentional with our leadership strategies. So pick a few of them. Uh, use your summer months and, and make a difference for your school district. And as always, if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to the Metro Bureau. Once again, Chad and Kathleen, thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for learning with us on the Metro Minute. This cast is powered by K-12 Media, always helping schools communicate with their communities. By the way, we'd love to see your comments or questions on this cast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you're always notified of up-and-coming episodes. Don't forget to visit our website at metrobureau.org for everything in public education in southeastern Michigan. We're so excited to see you next time for the Metro Minute.